Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 65 Praise is due to you, O God, in Zion, and to you shall vows be performed, O you who enter prayer. To you all flesh shall come. When deeds of iniquity overwhelm us, you forgive our transgressions. Happy are those whom you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. By awesome deeds you answer us with deliverance, O God of our salvation. You are the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas. By your strength you establish the mountains. You are girded with might. You silence the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the peoples. Those who live at earth's farthest bounds are awed by your signs. You make the gateways of the morning and the evening shout for joy. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide the people with grain, for so you have prepared it. You water its furrows abundantly, settling its ridges, softening it with showers, and blessing its growth. You crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with richness. The pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and sing together for joy. Joshua, chapter 10, verses 1 through 14. When King Adonizedek of Jerusalem heard how Joshua had taken Ai, he had and had utterly destroyed it, doing to Ai and its kings as he had done to Jericho and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them, He became greatly frightened, because Gibeon was a large city, like one of the royal cities, and was larger than Ai, and all its men were warriors. So King Adonizedek of Jerusalem sent a message to King Hoham of Hebron, to King Purim of Jarmuth, to King Japhia of Lakshish, and to King Debir of Eglon, saying, Come up and help me, and let us attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the Israelites. Then the five five kings, the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lakshish, and Eglon, gathered their forces and went up with all their armies and camped against Gibeon and made war against it. And the Gibeonites sent to Joshua at the camp in Gilgal, saying, Do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us, for all the kings of the Amorites who live in the hill country are gathered against us. So Joshua went up from Gilgal, he and all the fighting force with him all the mighty warriors. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have handed them over to you. Not one of them shall stand before you. So Joshua came up, came upon them suddenly, having marched up all night from Gilgal. And the Lord threw them into a panic before Israel, who inflicted a great slaughter on them at Gibeon, chased them by the way of the ascent of beth Horon, and struck, da- struck them down as far as Ezekah and Mekada, as they fled before Israel, while they were going before, while they were going down the slope of Beth Horon, the Lord 
threw down huge stones from heaven on them as far as Ezekiel, and they died. There were no more who died. There were more who died because of the hailstones than the Israelites killed with the sword. On the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the Israelites, Joshua spoke to the Lord, and he said in the sight of Israel, "Sun, stand still at Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ajalon." And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Jashar? The sun stopped in mid heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. There has been no day like it before or since, when the Lord heeded a human voice, for the Lord fought for Israel. The Gospel of Mark, chapter six, verse forty-five through fifty-two. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side to Bethsaida, where he dismissed the crowd. After saying farewell to them, he went up to the mountain to pray. When evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. When he saw that they were straining at oars against an adverse wind, he came towards them early in the morning, walking on the sea. He intended to pass them by, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, "Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid." Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Good morning, and welcome to the fourth Wednesday after Pentecost. This is Brother Logan Isaac, broadcasting from Walkersville, Maryland. Our readings this morning come to us from Psalm sixty-five, Joshua ten, and Mark six, and the the passage from Joshua. Um, is this episode in which Joshua makes the sun to stand still. And it happens um, not just at any scene, but during a battle scene. Um, and not just any battle scene, but the battle in which um, Israel will defeat uh, the king that rules over Jerusalem right now, um, Adonizedek. Um And it's not really clear that the the sun standing still in the sky was necessary, but uh, for like their victory, they were clearly winning. Um, but there are at least two points, um, or it is one of two points that the text makes to point out that it was a miraculous victory that Israel did not deserve, did not earn, did not achieve, but did, uh, but um, accomplished it strictly by the help of God. The one is clearly having the sun stand still. Um, the other is the rocks falling from the sky, you know, huge boulders. And it points out um, in verse 11 that more died because of the hailstones than the Israelites killed with a sword. In every instance, at every, you know, uh, at every point, the text articulates and tries to make clear that God's power is what is it is is what is responsible for their victory. Um, that God is always the deciding factor. Um, and so these two miracles, the hailstones or the boulders, and the sun standing still, stand out as um, as reminding us that it isn't by our own skill 
or power or strength that we win with God. It is with God, it is by God's power that we achieve victory, that we um, that our, our walk of faith, even in spiritual battle, um, uh, that is how it is accomplished. Um, now, Joshua did call for the sun to, to stall in the sky, and it seems that you know, if there's some reason for it, it probably has something to do with just beating the shit out of the Amorites. But it also, um, it isn't just, you know, Jerusalem at that point wasn't some big special place. It was um, uh, the the Amorites, led by the king of Jerusalem, had um, attacked a treaty partner, Gibeon. The Gibeonites, um, earlier in Joshua, had been afraid. Um, they had heard what the Israelites had done to Og and Magog and um, all the rest, and they were nervous. They didn't want to get, you know, beat up and killed by the sword. So they go to Israel, to Joshua, and they dress themselves up as slaves and servants and workmen. Um, and they say, oh, um, hey, we don't want any trouble. Um, look, we'll... Uh, We'll make a treaty with you. We'll be your servants. Don't, you know. Um, and so Joshua says, okay, we'll, we'll take that treaty. We aren't all about war. We're not about just going through ransacking the place. Um, you know, the book of Joshua is not about genocide. It's about a military campaign. Um, there may be times when um, the Israelites kind of lose their mind and go berserk, but um, that isn't the purpose and it's not the, you know, it's not the main point of the story. Because they, they don't uh, all that much. But um, the Gibeonites became a treaty partner. They became water carriers for Israel. And so when the Amorites, led by the king of Jerusalem, when they decide to attack Gibeon on their own hometown, on their own turf, um, Israel is beholden by that treaty, by that promise, to protect their treaty partner, their, their water carriers. And so they do. Um, this is a, an instance in when Israel may not have been attacked, but they may as well have been because Israel honors its its agreements. So it's an unprovoked attack. It's not an attack on them. It's not that Israel, um, you know, has something to gain. They made a promise, and they live by their word, just like God lives by God's word. Uh, and so that's what kind of provokes this fight um, that... Um, includes two miracles, the hailstones and the sun standing still, in order to show, and this is in the last verse of the passage, that the Lord fought for Israel. Um, and that is the main thrust of the story. That's what the, the authors kind of go out of their way to point out. You know, more people died by God's hand than the Israelites' hand. The Lord fought for Israel. Uh, the Gibeonites uh, cry out to their... their um, treaty partners. This is all uh, painting a picture of a selfless nation um, that has been drawn into war by the bad faith of the Amorites and the, you know, the, you could say trickery of the Gibeonites, but it was, it was nonviolent and Israel got, you know, servant class out of it. Um, and these miracles serve to drive home the central point and that is that God has infinitely more power than we do. And in, in Mark's gospel, um, everybody, you know, 
even anybody who hasn't read the Bible knows it. One of Jesus' main characteristics, miracles, is that he walks on water. Um, and he isn't doing it to, he doesn't gain anything from it. Um, they were straining at the oars, and he decides to go out and walk on the water. Um, and it just, it just kind of mentions it in passing. Because Mark, the first gospel that was written, he's just trying to get everything down. And he remembers this episode of walking on the water. And so in verse 48, it says they were straining against their oars. Um, he came toward them. Um, and he was on the land, and he walks out toward them. And it literally just says, like, walking on the sea. Like, duh, that's what God does. And he intended to pass them by for some reason. Um, but when he sees them, that's when he goes over and helps. And he says, you know, basically calm down, everything will be all right. But he was just taking a stroll on the water um, to show us, um, to remind us that God, Jesus, has infinitely more power than we do. It's not by our own hand that we um, that we accomplish the things we accomplish and succeed in the things that we uh, succeed in. God's hand is always there. It's never fully by our own might. Um, I'm not saying that Paul is right that that none of our works have merit or whatever, but like if we think that um our own self interests are more important and our own our own power and abilities are more capable than God or our neighbor, uh the Bible is here to set us straight. Um that sometimes we don't do things just because there's something in it for us. Sometimes we do things because we've made a promise to other people. Sometimes we do things because it's the right thing to do, uh, because our friends are in trouble. Um, but God is there with us. God, not only does God show us that God is not, you know, absentee up in the air, always doing God's own thing, but in fact walks among us um, and is uh, guiding us, providing an example um, for what it means uh, to do the things that we are called to do um, to help those who need help um, and to, um, frankly, believe in miracles and and watch for them and, and, you know, just be amazed by them, if nothing else. A prayer for protection from the Book of Common Prayer. Assist us mercifully, O Lord, and these are supplications and prayers, and dispose the way of your servants toward the attainment of everlasting salvation, that among all the changes and chances of this mortal life, they may ever be defended by your gracious and ready help. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with pewpewhq in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. 
Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.